0: Hey, I'm Michael Woodley, pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Today we do celebrate that the tomb is empty, because we know, as we're going to talk about today, that in the midst of our helplessness and our brokenness, we can look to the one who says, I've got this. And the question today that I would pose before you in our time together is, do you believe this? Do you believe the claim of Jesus? Do you believe the proof of Jesus that in the midst of your brokenness and your helplessness, that he's got this. The truth is everyone has a belief about Jesus. For Some secular scholars, they would affirm that Jesus was a historical man, a religious man. Others would re- affirm him as a good moral man. Some have a belief that he was merely a man and nothing else. Others would affirm that he's a significant man, but honestly it makes no difference in their day-to-day life the question that I have for you today is not what they believe, it is what you believe. Do you believe the proclamation of Jesus that he would say, I am the Son of God who has come to make a way for you? Do you believe the proof of God? The proof of that proclamation in that not only would he die on a vicious cross, but he would be buried and that he would do just as he would say he would and rise again from the dead. Do you believe that this man, Jesus, offers real hope and real life and real peace to the most brokenhearted person in this room today? Maybe today you would say that I'm a viable candidate to be that person and the brokenness you've experienced in this life. Do you believe that Jesus offers meaningful purpose for the one searching for all the answers to have a fulfilling life? Do you believe that Jesus alone can bring true freedom from the bondage of guilt and shame that comes with poor choices and selfish desires and immoral living? I hope you do. And the reason that I hope you do is because I can say not only for my life, but for many that are here today, millions around the globe and throughout the centuries, people have found that their faith in Jesus is not a wasted faith that they have turned to Jesus and his proclamation and his proof that I've got this to be the thing that has changed their life. The religious elite of Jesus' day believed that if we kill him, we'll defeat him. And they did. Kill him, that is. They didn't defeat him. They didn't understand that it was a part of his plan to suffer and die and to rise again. So that today, right here in Washita Parish, you could turn by faith to the one who looks on your life and says, I've got this. Today, I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, to turn to John chapter 11. As we see a moment as Jesus, the Son of God, is walking among his creation. And in this situation, he is going to turn to a brokenhearted woman and ask her the question that I have posed to you today, do you believe this? And as we look at this text in John 11, we're going to see, I believe, three things that should compel you to turn in faith to this one Jesus, trusting that he's got this. Why should you believe on Jesus today? Why should you keep on believing on Jesus today? First thing I want you to see is that brokenness reveals the need for a greater solution. Brokenness reveals the need for a greater solution. To give you some context of what's happening here in John chapter 11, Jesus comes upon a lady who's experiencing, ex- experiencing crushing sorrow and deep anguish. He knew this woman. Her name was Martha. She was his friend. In fact, he was friends not just with Martha, but his sister Mary and her brother Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus had become ill and Jesus had received word about his illness, but chose to remain for a few days where he was. Finally, Jesus makes his way to where Martha and Mary and Lazarus were. And Martha met Jesus as he was making his way to express her thoughts, because you see at this point Lazarus, had died. I want to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word today. Beginning in verse 20, going through verse 26. It says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Let's pray together. God, as we come to this moment, we're grateful that today is a day of victory and that this message today is one of hope and of life. And I ask today that Spirit of God, that you would pierce the heart of every person here for a recognition or a reminder. That you've got this. You proclaim that you would and your resurrection proves that you did. And so God, would you bless the preaching of your word today? Would you remove obstacles from this room? Would you allow us by your grace to have a posture that is ready to receive what the God of all creation would have for us today? God, we give you this time. And God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. In this moment, as Martha comes to Jesus, she's broken. She's broken because of the the loss of a loved one. Many of us in here, we know the brokenness that comes with that loss. For some of you this day, it's a day of victory but it's a hard day because there's a loved one who has set by you this easter service for year after year after year and today that seat is empty we experience loss in this life we experience brokenness in this life and i would argue today that that brokenness reveals the need for a greater solution as we see here in john chapter 11 martha makes her way to jesus and she makes a passionate case to to jesus that if that Lazarus is dead, but if Jesus would have been here, that wouldn't have been the case. She says, Jesus, if, if you were here, which you weren't, then my brother would not have died, which he did. You see, Martha knew in the face of death that Jesus was her only answer. And truthfully, he didn't respond the way that she hoped for or that she thought when she got word to him. And maybe today, as you're considering what it would mean for you to believe on Jesus and to submit your life to him, maybe today, Martha's moment here seems very familiar. For Martha's response, Jesus, you've not responded to my situation in a way that I think that you should have. You've not responded in a way that seems fair. Martha's saying that your lack of presence, Jesus, in my situation is the cause of my consequences. For some of you, you've maybe never said it out loud, but you've thought it in your heart. But what we see in John chapter 11 is that Jesus is actually more present in the situation than she ever could have dreamed. And I would argue today that no matter how you may feel today about your consequences, or the realities of what life has handed you, the cards that you have been dealt, I would argue today and encourage you today that Jesus is more at work in your moment than you realize. But in this moment of brokenness, she recognized that she needed something more than she had within herself. She recognized that she needed more than her family could offer. She needed more than her community could offer. Because you see, the brokenness of life, it reveals the need for a greater solution. Brokenness in this world, and I think more vividly in our lives, it shows us that something isn't right. Death communicates that that this world is not our forever home. Addiction that we may experience reveals that we lack the ability to truly change ourselves. The betrayal and unfaithfulness that we face in this world, it stings in such a way that can lead us to asking, what is the point? Loneliness. The loneliness that can come with life, it whispers in a loud voice in our hearts that we were built, we were made for relationships. And so when Martha turns to Jesus, her brokenness of loss, it magnifies that the only solution came from outside of herself. It's why she's turning to Jesus in this moment. and It's no different for ourselves. It's no different as we walk through a broken world that is full of broken people. As we experience what life has to offer to us and the hands that are dealt to us, we're reminded over and over again that this world is not as it should be. And for many of us, we've desired to to pick up our boots by our bootstraps and to try harder and to do better and to experience more endurance, only to find ourselves time and time again finding we're not the solution. For some, we've turned to power and money. For some, we've turned to sex. We've turned to different things in this world to try to find the solution for the brokenness in our hearts. And Martha turns to Jesus in the midst of her brokenness. When we experience the brokenness in our lives, it reminds us we need something to change us, something to save us, something to rescue us and to give us hope. And that's why we celebrate today. Because over and over again in the Scriptures, Jesus says, I've got this. And not only does he proclaim it with his words, he proves it in his victory over death, sin, and death the grave. Why should we believe? Because brokenness reveals a greater solution, the need for a greater solution. But also, let's talk about what he proclaimed. Why why should we believe on Jesus today that he's got this? Because of what he claimed about himself. All right, look with me in verse 21. It says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I love this in this moment as we see the gracious heart of Jesus. Some of you have convinced yourself that Jesus, that God is this cosmic judge that is always just waiting for you to mess up. So that he can bring his justice. And here in a moment where a woman is given a heartfelt, passionate plea, a complaint to Jesus that if you would have been here, and in that moment a gracious response, your brother will rise again. But I want you to see what happens here as Jesus responds. Martha here says in verse 24, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection of the last day. In Martha's mind, she is thinking from a Jewish perspective that when the Messiah comes and when God restores all things, there is going to be a great resurrection for all those by faith that they will rise in that moment. Martha is thinking of a future event, and what we see here is that Jesus is not talking about a future event, but he is talking about a present person. The present person is not just present in time, but for Martha, he is present there in location. He has come to be with his people. Jesus makes a claim here, I am the resurrection and the life. What Jesus is claiming at this moment is that the resurrection, the hope for those on that day, For the people of faith, it is going to be by Jesus, and it is going to be through Jesus. He is saying to Martha, I've got this. It is who I am. Jesus, once again, is placing himself as the central figure for man's hope in their relationship to God. And over and over again, Jesus makes unmistakable claims about himself as the gospel writer's account. In the same vein, in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In a sense, he's not just saying, I've got this. He's saying, no one else does. Nothing else does. Then he asked Martha this question Do you believe this? Do you, Martha, do you believe this? And I want you to notice today, this is important for us as we consider what it means for our life that when Jesus says, Do you believe this? He's not asking, Do you believe a set of facts? Do you believe some historical truth? When Jesus says, do you believe this? We know what he's speaking of here. Because he says to the one who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What Jesus is calling to, what he's calling Martha to, to believe this is to believe on him as the resurrection and the life that whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. In John's Gospel, he is making clear of Jesus' claims to be the Son of God. Multiple times, he gives us these phrases that Jesus would say, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the vine, I am the resurrection, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, as he says this, he was connecting the dots for his listeners that would have understood the phrase, I am, was a statement that God used in himself. It was no mistake for the religious leaders of that day that Jesus was making continual claims that he was God himself. Not only that he was God himself, but as the bread of life, he was the only one who could truly satisfy. As the light of the world, the only one who could overcome the darkness. As the good shepherd, the one who would lay down his life for his sheep. As the way, the truth, and the life. as our only hope. Jesus said all of these things about himself. And Josh McDowell, in his book, More Than a Carpenter, he makes it clear the significance As we hear the claims of Jesus, it means that if we seriously listen to what he said, we cannot write him off. We cannot sweep him under a rug. Josh McDowell says that his claims were so clear about who he was and what he was coming to do that he must be truly the Lord, a lunatic, or a liar. He leaves no room to be a good moral man. He's either legitimately God in the flesh, a crazy man, or a pathological liar. There is no room for any other option. Jesus cannot be ignored, and neither can his claims. And today, you may be thinking, well, Michael, anybody can claim anything. And you're right. I could claim that I've never made a mess-up or mistake in my life. I could claim that I have no need for God in my life, that I can do life on my own. We can make claims day in and day out. But the significance of Jesus is not just the clarity of the claims that he made, that I am God and I have come to rescue humanity from their sin, and that there is no other way except through me. Jesus didn't just come proclaiming, I've got this. proved it. And I want us to take a moment this morning as we celebrate the significance of this day, that the tomb is empty. It is the supporting evidence that Jesus has got this. I mean, it is one thing in this moment, as Martha comes to him, to say, I am the resurrection and the life. It is one thing to claim that your brother will live again. But understand Jesus is dead. I'm sorry, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead, dead. It tells us here that it's been four days since Lazarus died. That's significant because in Jewish thought life, many believe that it was after the third day that death was truly permanent. In fact, some ancient rabbis believed that when a Jewish person died, that their soul, the soul of the deceased, had actually hovered over the body for three days and then would depart. And so for Jesus to show up four days after Lazarus has died, for the people there, there was no doubting that this man in the tomb was truly dead. And as we continue to look in John chapter 11, we see that Jesus is not only claimed that he is the resurrection and life, and that Lazarus will live again. We see that he does just as he said he would. It tells us beginning in verse 38 that he goes to the tomb of Lazarus and he tells him to take away the stone, and Martha says, well, Jesus, you know it's going to smell a little bit. Jesus isn't really concerned. And it tells us that Jesus, that he lifted his eyes to heaven, And he prayed, Father, I'm thankful that you have heard me today and that you always hear me. But he he says, but listen, I'm doing this, not on your account, but I'm doing it on the account of those that are here. What Jesus is saying is that what's about to happen in this moment, it's happening so that those that are there will know that he is the resurrection and the life. And in John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, we see this moment. It says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. Don't miss that phrase. The man who had died walked out. His feet, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So the claim to Martha, I've got this, was now a reality. The supporting evidence of the claim that Jesus was greater than death. And you understand that the proof of who he was wasn't just in this moment, although this moment is significant. Because you see, historians and scholars are unanimous, almost completely unanimous, that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was put to death by Roman soldiers. And what we know is that although thousands and thousands of people faced the death on a cross, there was only one man who three days later walked out of the grave, defeating death itself. And so on that Easter morning, As we read earlier, the ladies, they they come to the tomb to find that what Jesus has proclaimed, he has now proved. And the question that is asked is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? The tomb was empty, and it is empty to this day because Jesus is alive. He's got this. He has proclaimed it, and he has proved it. He proved it, not just in that the tomb was empty, but the Bible shows us numerous appearances that he would make, even to groups of large as 500 people. It's proof in that we see disciples who were running in fear at his arrest, whose lives were changed in such a way that they would give up their own lives for this proclamation and this proof that Jesus has got this. It's proof in a man named. Saul, who was an enemy of the Christian faith, who would have an encounter with this resurrected Jesus that would change him in such a way that the entirety of his life would now be given to this movement. You see the evidence in Jesus' brother, James. The Bible tells us that James was a skeptic of his brother claiming to be the Messiah. i got to be honest, I don't really blame James. Would you? Your sibling was going around saying that they were the Savior of the world. But for James, who was a skeptic of his brother, his life is changed and that he becomes one of the pillars of the early church. Jesus proclaimed it. And he proved it. And today, some of that proof is sitting in this room right here. You see the lives were changed of the disciples they were changed of Saul they were changed of James But they've also been changed of millions and millions of people from that moment to this Moments that have heard the proclamation of Jesus I've got this and they've considered the proof and they have responded by faith to trust in Jesus for their sin for their forgiveness they have trusted in him for hope and purpose and he has changed their life. Do you believe this? Jesus proclaimed that I've got this. And the Bible says that the motive of his actions was love. That God demonstrated his love for you in this, and that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. You see, that brokenness in our life, it's a result of sin. And the Bible says that it is that sin that separates us from God. That means today, outside of Jesus Christ, we're all in an eternal predicament. But God loves you. And He has made a way for you and that Jesus would come to the cross to pay the penalty of that sin. And the Bible says that He was delivered up for our sin and He was raised for our justification. It means that in Christ overcoming death, it means that He has overcome sin. And that today, for those that are here, that you've walked into this room and you don't have an assurance in your life that you have turned to Jesus and His claim that I've got this. That today by faith you can know that God loves you. And he has demonstrated that love in Jesus going to the cross. And today you can express that faith that he is the resurrection and the life. That he is that greater solution to your sin and to your brokenness and to your hopelessness. And today you can trust in him. Over the last years, there has been an incredible movement in the cinematography world with the Marvel universe. I shouldn't have to ask today if there's any Marvel fans in the room, because I know that there is. From the youngest to the oldest, we are compelled by these movies. And we should be. They're incredible work. If you see the movie, you see the significance of what they put on the screen and the, the ability to paint these pictures of cities that have been destroyed and these villains that are so believable. And, and the, this Marvel movement, listen to this, in the entirety of this movie after movie to date, they have grossed over $25 billion. Why are people so compelled? Why are you compelled to go see every single time a Marvel movie comes out? Let me tell you, it's not for the cinematography. It's because we all want a hero. The Marvel movie, the characters may change. The villains change. The scenarios and settings of where they take place change. But the running theme of those movies and the reason why people have given $25 billion to see it is because our hearts are captured when we see a hero step in. Today I want to tell you that today is a day of victory because the hero has won. He has won the victory over death. He has won the victory over over sin. He has won the victory for you. The question is, do you believe this? And I can't think of a better morning than for you to say, you know what, Michael? I've tried life my way, and what I have found is I don't got this. And I've put my trust in the world, thinking that if I can pursue the world, that it will be the things of the world that will fill my heart, will cure that loneliness, that will bring meaning into my life. And what you have found time and time again is the world, it ain't got this. But today, the God who spoke all things into existence is whispering loudly into your heart today I've got this would you trust on me give your life to me surrender your life confess your sin and know that the one who doesn't just proclaim it but proves it with an empty grave if he has the power to overcome the grave he has the power to change your life Today, he offers that gift to you. I want to invite you today. Would you bow your head all across this room? Today, I want to bring you to a moment of decision. Truthfully, it doesn't matter what your parents have believed, it doesn't matter what your community has believed. Mean, doesn't matter what your spouse has believed. Today, in the light of the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our life, do you believe Jesus' proclamation and his proof? I've got this. Do you believe that he loves you? And then he would step out of the glory of heaven and come to walk among creation to face a vicious death on a cross to pay the penalty of your sin so that he truly can say, I've got this. Today I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him by faith. The great news today is there's nothing you have to do other than putting your faith and your trust in him. To turn from your sin, to confess it to him, to submit your life to him, to follow him. Right now, in the quietness of this moment, would you respond by faith? just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of faith to God, of saying, God, you've got this. And today, if you're here and you'd say, Michael, I want to be included in that prayer. I know today, today I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to trust him that he's got my life. And you're ready to turn your heart, your life to him. If that's you today with every head head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today and you say, Michael, I want you to include me in this prayer, would you just raise your hand all across this arena? else today. Amen. I see you, brother. Michael, I'm ready to trust in Him. I see you. you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but today you're ready to put your faith in Jesus. Just pray this with me silently in your heart to God. God, thank you today that you know me and that you love me. today I'm trusting Jesus that you've got this I see my sin I know my sin today I confess it to you I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin as I turn from it and I turn to you Jesus I believe that you are the son of God that you died for my sin and that you were buried and you rose again Today, I'm ready to put my life into your hands and to follow you the very best that I know how. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.